0: Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk.
1: All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network on the day after Christmas. How you feeling? How you feeling, everybody? It's good to have you. Hope you enjoyed your holiday weekend. It seemed like a long one, right? Because I'm sure some of you started towards the end of last week, carried it through the weekend, through yesterday, maybe continuing today for a lot of you, but we are here live. We are in Florida. We are on Amelia Island. We're at Fernandina Beach, about a mile from Fernandina Beach High School where Clemson has practiced Two of the last three days, yesterday they had to go indoors at the old Jaguars facility next to the stadium. But they were back outside today. They were outside on Sunday getting in some good work in preparation for Kentucky. Kentucky had their first practice in Florida today over at North Florida University where they practiced inside the uh, Osprey's Stadium. We went over there for that, and we'll hear from Liam Cohen, the offensive coordinator for Kentucky. He's charged with getting that offense ready for, I know, a Clemson defense that's missing some key pieces, but they still have some very, very good players, especially up front. They're going to have to block uh, Tyler Davis. They're going to have to block uh, Part. They're going to have to block Woods, Xavier Thomas, et cetera, and he's aware of that. He knows it's going to be a challenge for his offense, He does have key members of his offense back, like his starting center, who's excellent, like Ray Davis is running back, the third leading rusher in the SEC this season. He's excellent. The quarterback is somebody Clemson knows well because he used to play at NC State. So I look at this as being an excellent matchup between the two teams at noon on Friday. Clemson is favored by five points going in. I like the Tigers. I like the Tigers to to cover here because – of their ability to stop the run and run the football. I think it's that simple. I think they'll be able to uh, nullify to some degree what Kentucky likes to do best, and that's run the football. And who runs the football on Clemson? Uh, Not very many people. And then we'll see how much progress Cade Klebnik has made since the end of the regular season with a couple of weeks of more work for him. The Tigers do have both of their standout running backs back. Uh, They lose Bo Collins, but – uh, they will have uh, Tyler Brown back. Uh, they're getting a couple of guys back. I think Specter's back. He's been hurt a little bit. Uh, I think he'll be back and able to help him. Uh, Stellato has uh, come on and become a valuable weapon for them, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know about that uh, for Clemson. Where they got hurt since the end of the regular season is losing uh, starters on defense like uh, Orororo and uh, Makuba. Uh, for example, uh, and Trotter as well. For example, you know, losing uh, three uh, really uh, – and, and Wiggins as well, losing four uh, uh, prime players off your defense. But this is where the strength of their recruiting over the years comes into play because they can replace these guys uh, with not as good a player but still a very good player where they will hope that there won't be a major drop-off on the defensive side. So we are here – for the rest of the week to cover Clemson in the Gator Bowl. I was over at the stadium today to pick up credential and uh, walked inside the Gator Bowl office, their makeshift, uh, a makeshift office at the stadium and saw some um, memorabilia from recent Gator Bowl games, including last year's game between South Carolina and Notre Dame. And if this, game, if this game is anywhere close to as good as that game was, well, then the Gator Bowl people, the Tax Slayer people, the ESPN people, they're going to be uh, very excited uh, because that was one heck of a football game last year between Notre Dame and South Carolina. Remember, the Gamecocks got off to the lead and, and couldn't hold on in the second half. Um, offense kind of um, petered out and defense got tired and Notre Dame broke some big runs. If it wasn't for a couple of uh, big defensive plays there in the second half, I believe it was Fortune who had the long interception return for a touchdown. Kind of kept the Gamecocks... In that game, when they were really struggling in the second half, uh, they still have in place there in the office helmets from the Gamecocks and the Irish representing last year's game, as well as a jersey from each team up on the wall representing last year's game. So I imagine at some point they're going to switch that out with a Kentucky helmet and a Clemson helmet. So we are here Uh, for the game and to talk about Clemson and Kentucky and the other offseason moves. I guess the biggest story besides Clemson uh, bowl practicing over the weekend starting on Sunday, the biggest story from the weekend in the state was Stone Blanton, USC starting middle linebacker, uh, transferring. I don't think anybody saw this one coming. And it's uh, a blow to South Carolina in that you, you lose a veteran linebacker Uh, A guy that in all aspects was a positive uh, presence on your football team and a tremendous athlete. I mean, this guy, remember, he was a heck of a baseball player. Uh, He's also an excellent golfer uh, and a linebacker who got better over his time at South Carolina. So you lose a guy that uh, really knew how to run your defense, um, knew where to be at uh, the right time when the call was made, um, had an 88-yard Interception return for a touchdown against Jacksonville State. Had 52 tackles this year, so that was an unexpected loss for this Gamecock defense, and uh, something that you know you hate to see happen if you're a Gamecock fan. Because for all intents and purposes, he looked like a life a lifelong Gamecock. But who knows in today's world of college football? Who knows? Um, what a player is thinking and what a player needs to do or wants to do uh, for his future, you know, and I mean, where else, but college football, well, I guess in college basketball, you find this as well, but where else in college basketball, I mean, college football, can you have a, a losing regular season yet go to a bowl game and win your bowl game and still have a losing record for the overall season? That would be Minnesota because they went in their bowl game today up in Detroit. With a record of five and seven, they got in because their APR was better than any other available five and seven team. That's what got them in. Remember, South Carolina. There was some talk about the Gamecocks maybe getting in as a five and seven team because they had too many spots and not enough teams, but their APR wasn't as good as Minnesota's. So Minnesota uh, Minnesota gets in, and they beat Bowling Green thirty to twenty four. So they finish six and seven. So as I bring in Pat Daniel back at our studios in Columbia, I'd like to get your thoughts on this and everybody else's thoughts. Our uh, phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina education lottery. Lucky number for you here on sports Talk. So don't hesitate to give us a call on this day after Christmas. So what do you say, uh, Pat, when you're the coach and you're called into your AD's office and your AD goes, coach, we had a losing record this year. But the coach says, well, coach, calling the AD coach, well, coach, I won a bowl game. Yeah, but you had a losing record. But I won a bowl game. (laughs) So, I mean, only in college football do you get something as insane as having a losing record and winning a bowl game and still having a losing record. Then again, I will say it wasn't too many years ago. My memory's right, Pat. wasn't too many years ago in the NFL. Didn't we have a team win their division? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't we have a team win their division with a losing record and make it into the playoffs
2: not oh, too many
1: years ago? We've
2: seen that happen a number of times over the year. The one that stands out – in fact, I believe the Panthers did that one year. But the the one that stands out most to me was the year the Seattle Seahawks hosted – I believe it was the New Orleans Saints who had a, want to say 10 or 11 wins, and Seattle had a losing record and had their backup quarterback start the playoff game, and that was Clemson, a former Clemson Tiger, Charlie Whitehurst. And he actually led the Seahawks to a playoff victory. That was also the game where we had beast mode. That moniker was essentially, I think, it was, if it wasn't created that game, it certainly took on a life of its own because there was that one play where Marshawn Lynch bounced off, looked like the entire opposing defense, I believe, of the Saints that year, and then fell backwards into the end zone. And uh, that's the one that stands out most to me. And we have seen that happen here and there and right now the NFC South, again, it just almost seems like a, a really ugly, bad game of hot potato. Like who wants to who wants to go to the playoffs and get your brains kicked in for, for four quarters? And nobody right now seems to really want to step up to the plate. It looks like if I had to put my money on anybody, Baker Mayfield is looking terrific down in Tampa. He's looking like he's really yes, found he really found a home. And we'll be really curious to see in the offseason if they, sign they, as in the Bucks, sign Baker Mayfield to a long-term deal, maybe an incentive-laden deal to keep him motivated. Because I think we all can agree that Baker Mayfield, an angry or, in his words or his mind, disrespected Baker Mayfield is the best Baker Mayfield. He seems to come out and play his best with a chip on his shoulder. And if I had to put my money on anybody, I'd say the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to come out of that division and now Phil if I may want to back up to to Stone Blanton. Also was very surprised to see see the linebacker for the Gamecocks enter into the portal. And I don't know if this is I don't know if he's planning any visits yet. I have not followed this that closely. Maybe you'll know better than me, but the the low-hanging fruit or obvious answer here to me is Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. A lot of folks look at Lane Kiffin as just a magician at at wielding the or targeting the transfer portal. And one of the key positions for the Rebels going into next year is the linebacker position. That's one of their biggest weaknesses. They lose their starting linebacker, Jeremiah John who is the second leading—sorry, then also the team's second leading tackler, Ashanti Sistrunk, and key reserve, Monty Montgomery, after this past season. And they're going to need a fourth linebacker, Kari Coleman, to exercise his COVID year in order to stick around. And at the time of this article I'm reading, he had not yet announced that. I'm not sure if he has since then. But that's four linebackers, two key starters, two key reserves. The Rebels are losing. And with Stan B- Stone Blanton being from uh, Madison, Mississippi, I believe that's right, went to Madison Ridgeland Academy, if I remember correctly, sure seems like an obvious target for Lane Kiffin and the Rebels.
1: Well, keep in mind now, he was committed to Mississippi State for baseball before he came to South Carolina. So ah, okay. you're right. You would think now with the way Mississippi's been throwing the NIL deals around – that they have picked up, you know, they picked up the Nolan kid uh, from Texas A&M, the big uh, nose tackle, had to cost them a ton of money to get him in in that NIL deal. Uh, And the other acquisitions uh, that they have made, um, uh, you know, uh, what they paid Juice Wells to get him, what's what's his NIL deal? Uh, And that's just the tip of it for them. They have gone uh, heavy, heavy into the free agency market. And trying to piece together a, a team, a better, a, a championship-level team, is it's sort of like they're looking at it as Kev, Kiffin is is getting restless there, uh, maybe feeling like uh, doing things the the regular way. He's only gotten them to a certain point. Let's go all in and let's get every free agent that we can get who can help in a in some position on this team. To see if they can break through against Alabama, or if it's not Alabama, can they break through against LSU? It seems like it's one or the other that they have, uh, or, or you know, occasionally a Texas A&M. But they're obviously in a in a rebuilding mode right now. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. Um, I don't know that one. That one surprised everybody. I think that that, that news came out from him because there was there was no indication anywhere that he was considering uh, hitting the transfer portal, John, and leaving the Gamecock program. Okay. Uh, Phone number, 888-898-2525. That is our South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number in the sports talk tonight. So go ahead and give us a phone call if you're ready to get back into the world of sports after the world of... By the way, how many people can say this about the Christmas holiday? I... I I got everything that I wished for on the Christmas holiday, on the Christmas day itself. I got everything I wished for. Who, who makes that claim? Um, I got a Packers win over the Panthers. Okay, it wasn't the uh, most beautiful win in the world, but it was a W, I'll take it. And I got a, most importantly, well, I shouldn't say most importantly, I needed a Packers win, but equally important, but maybe more satisfying because of everything that comes with it, the Celtics beating the Lakers uh, Sunday afternoon. Uh, that was, that was um, outstanding. So I guess the the um, – let's see, that was – I got my days are mixed up. So Sunday was Christmas Eve. So that, it was on Sunday the Packers won in Charlotte. And then yesterday, yeah, Christmas was yesterday. So yesterday the, the Celtics beat the Lakers. So I got everything that I wanted. From um, the holiday, so how about you, Pat? Did you get everything that you asked for? How, how often have you gotten everything that you've asked for?
2: Every year, because I look at Christmas as a blessing and time that I have with my family and my friends and those close to me. I am gonna take that as a win every year. And this year, it put a big smile on my face. Uh, my two nieces. I have one one sibling, my older brother, and he has two little girls. And yesterday, we spent a lot of the ta- a lot of the day just playing with their various gifts and into the night playing some video games that my brother and I grew up playing, like Mario Kart when we were little kids, back then on N64. And now uh, we got the girls, uh, what's it called? A Nintendo Switch. And a lot of the same games that we grew up playing, we now got to play with them. And that was just fantastic and smiles all around. So I, I don't even really care what I got personally. It was just nice to see those around me happy.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. So you make me look like the heel but being more concerned about my personal gratification and, and getting what I wanted on on Christmas rather than uh, spending uh, quality time with my family. Is that what you're suggesting?
2: We all have our pleasures, Phil. No, no right or wrong. It's all good, man. It's all good.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I had plenty of family time the week before, and uh, this was a personal. This was my personal desire. For the Packers, why can't I be happy that my team's won on the holiday? And that's my personal my personal gift, okay? Uh, shall we go to the phone calls? We'll update some news notes as well. Uh, 888-898-2525 is our phone number. And, of course, um, we welcome in those of you listening to us on our stream, uh, both on um, Facebook and on uh, YouTube. Uh, maybe you're watching on X. Maybe you've got us on our audio stream on the Chief Sports app. We welcome all of you in tonight. It's glad to glad to have you with us. We're here all week. Uh, the game is on Friday at noon. We'll be broadcasting from Jacksonville uh, after the game to bring you the wrap-up of the Tigers and Kentucky. Uh, by, by the way, Pat, have you... Uh, I'm going with Clemson here, laying the five. Have you determined what you're going to do with the pick?
2: Let's see. I'll, I'll be honest with you, Phil. I haven't looked at it. It's five... Not five and a half or four yeah. and a half, but it's five solid, huh?
3: Well,
1: I'll double check. That's what I had in, my, in my mind. But if I, whether it's five, five and a half, I'll go with Clemson either way. Here, let's see here. Yep, it's five. Wow. Uh,
2: Kentucky plus five. That's an interesting—I'm going to mm-hmm. take Clemson. I think Clemson comes out yeah. and wins. I'm not—with bowl games, we've talked about this so many times over the last few years or really last decade, I guess, since the inception of the playoff motivation I don't think has ever been more important with bowl games. In the past, it seemed like everybody was happy to be there and wanted to really play, and now it really does come down to which team has the most players available and maybe the most motivation to go into this game. And I think Clemson, for a couple reasons, will be the more motivated team down in, down in Jacksonville. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with them
1: as well. Okay, very good. Let's go to Gamecock Larry. And uh, get things rolling here on the day after Christmas. Gamecock Larry from Swansea, welcome into Sports Talk. Hope you had a a great holiday. Hope you got everything that you were uh, wishing for for the holiday. It's good to have you with us once again.
4: I got everything I wanted and a little bit more. I think I gained about ten pounds in the last five days. Well, but that's I had a, good a good thing. Christmas. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it ain't no good thing for me. I, don't, I don't, don't want to get over 200, but now I'm up to 212. Oh, that hurts. But Ooh. but I had, all, had my grandkids with me, my great-grandkids, and then I missed all of those I got all over the Florida, Atlanta, North Carolina, Alabama. I missed all of them, but... I can't go, so they can come see me. But uh, Stone Boynton, uh he had been saying for a while he was homesick. And uh, uh, we 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 had kind of expected he was going to do this, and we wish he wouldn't. But uh, he he had been saying for a, quite a while now he would love to be playing closer at home. So I believe he's going to go to Mississippi State. And uh, that's, oh yeah, I wish I all had a great Christmas. And uh, I'm feeling good, feeling good. Boy, I got a plot of sweets from a, a lady and her two sons and a three or four grandsons that I wasn't expecting. Man, it, I tell you what, I ate a bunch of them and ate and ate, and I got the rest of them in a ziplock bag <laughs> on the table by my bed. But I uh, hope y'all have a good one, and I'll see you, Mr. Field. And you say you're going gonna to take Clemson? I'll yeah, give me what, Clemson, uh, you, Gamecock Larry. I, what do you I, think? I, Get- I, I'll give you Clemson of eight points. Clemson of eight. Oh, Kentucky, okay. Kentucky, Clemson K- Kentucky going to beat them. Kentucky going to beat them by more than eight, but I'll say eight. Mm. SEC, I will work. Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, I believe, could beat Clemson. hmm I ain't laughing, Mr. Phil, but I'm just cutting up. I tell you, I love all 'all. y'all. Y'all make the old man make my day go, make my nights shorter and all that, but I love all y'all. Have a good one. All right.
3: Kentucky
1: by eight. Kentucky by eight. Kentucky by eight. Okay, I think America would, would jump on that. Thank you. Did you see, by the way, the tweet? of this gambler, I think he must have, I don't know exactly what his bet was. It was a 14, what do you call it, a uh, 14-bet parlay from over the weekend. And my guess is, without seeing all the details, my guess is he put down 14 NFL players that he projected to score a touchdown, I think, and he got all 14 on a $5 parlay, and Made over four hundred thousand dollars made over four hundred thousand dollars. I mean I don't know how that the math works and all that kind of stuff, but that's what I call a Merry Christmas right there on a five dollar bet. Wow, you hit on all fourteen and you're you're bringing in over four hundred clam, oh yeah. That is an excellent holiday gift right there. Travis uh, Duffner
2: is his name, and it looks like he okay. had the odds came to
1: – wait, is this really right?
2: Huh. Well, wow, He had a one in essentially 9.7 million chance of winning. That.
1: What was, am <laughs> I, mean, I right about him selecting 14 different touchdown makers? Is yeah, it was a
2: 14-leg touchdown parlay hit. And he turned $5 into just under $500,000. And it looks like the final one was a Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey score, yep. and that came with yep. just over three minutes left in the first half. Wow. wow. Yeah.
1: yeah. Merry Christmas to How that guy. How about that? Absolutely. How about that? Let's go to uh, Hank in Columbia before we hit the break here on Sports Talk. Day after Day after the big day. Hank, hope you had a big day on the big day yesterday. Welcome in.
5: Hey, thanks, Warren. Uh Yeah, and I—I um, I can't believe I'm saying this, but actually, Larry must have some good sources because I—I I pretty much hear that Blanton may probably end up at, uh, at Mississippi State, um, and um know, and, and, uh, and it, he wasn't so much of a surprise. Uh, I don't think to me because you know he he kind of struggled a lot during the year, and. He remember he was he was not the starter coming out of camp. It was Mokaba, and they were looking for Pup Howard to come up. But you know he basically had the experience and all, and so he kind of stayed in that spot. So I had a feeling with what was coming in and what was coming back from injury that he would not be a starter. But I would I would hear Mississippi State for that. Um, look for Mississippi State for that one also, but not too much of a surprise. For Carolina fan, um, but. Uh, Corn, you know, I was looking at something that I think is interesting. I think it's food for thought for people who, you know, were losing a great talent in, in Rattler. And when you look forward to Nor- sellers um, next year is looking back last night. I don't remember how many people coming out of high school tried to tell Lamar Jackson he's just, you know, he's an athlete. He's a big, strong, nice athlete. Um, but he, he's not an NFL quarterback because he didn't look like the prototypical stand-in-the-pocket, stand throw-it quarterback. And if mm-hmm. you look at how those, those mobile quarterbacks who can throw and are athletic, they help out a whole offense. They help out an offensive line and all of that. We want to hear your thoughts because that's why I think those fellas may help this team a lot next year.
1: All right, good point. Well, I mean, if he's Lamar Jackson, he will help them a lot. But how many Lamar Jacksons are out there? But we'll discuss that after the break. Be right back. Don't go away. welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel. On this Tuesday night, how many times have you caught yourself today trying to remember what day of the week it is, right? It feels like – what does it feel like? I guess it feels like Monday. Everything's like a day off because we were off yesterday. Um, But Sunday kind of felt like a Saturday to me for some reason. Yesterday felt like Sunday. Right there with I guess today would feel like a Monday. But it's a Tuesday, which means we're here for a short week. But we got a lot to do, including our coverage of Clemson here at the Gator Bowl in Jacksonville. And we'll have, of course, um, our picks this week coming your way. Uh, No Lee Sterling. He gave his bowl picks uh, the other week, the the Friday I was gone. He gave his bowl picks. We will have uh, a a chalk talk session with you. Uh, for you with uh, Chuck Reedy and Ellis Johnson, um, what I've got to figure out is if that is that going to be tomorrow night or Thursday. I'll get back with you on that once I figure it out. I uh, <laughs> still haven't gotten that decided yet. Uh, we'll let you know as soon as we figure it out. They probably don't know uh, what triple- day of the week it is either, Phil. <laughs> no, they don't. They they, they don't know, and um, and I've got to t- ask them what works out for them. So around their their holiday travels. So the phone number triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Uh, we'll catch you up on some other notes here in a moment. Let's go back to Hank, who had something else to add to the conversation before we hit the bottom of the hour break. All right, Hank, little Christmas bonus time for you here on Sports Talk. Welcome back.
5: Okay, going. Cool. yeah. And I I'd and I, 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 I hated to use that example because I know people will going to say, oh, I, there's only one Lamar Jackson. But but just, I'm just talking about quarterbacks in that mode. If you look at some of the quarterbacks that have come out, like Anthony Richardson and some of these other guys, Um when you have legs, you help out a, a team offensively sometimes when you don't have the prototypical five-stars all over the place. And, and just looking at it, if you remember, if you go back, when those years that we were beating Clemson with Connor Shaw, those three or four or five years in a row, you remember mm. a lot of those, Clemson still had talented defensive lines. But the fact that Connor Shaw was uh, as good a runner as he was a thrower – Remember, a lot of those times, if they were getting pressure, they would roll that pocket. And when players didn't stay in the lane, remember, I think one time here in Columbia, Conner just kind of strategically went down the field ten yards at a pop, getting first downs whenever the when the receiver wasn't open, to roll it because he was such a good runner. Uh-huh. Um, and then when he and then when they would back up and stay in, and he was a, he was a good good enough thrower to slice them up because they didn't feel like they could just come. Come at him, you know. They they bring the lines just straight at him because once he broke that first level, he didn't have guys that could catch it. And so, you know, that's where I think that, um, you know, our line has to improve. But Lenores provides a lot of, and those type of quarterbacks, he's look at, he's looking the lead. Lamar last night, you wouldn't say, well, he's he's like a uh, Trevor Lawrence thrower or Joe Burrow thrower, but he just. He kept that 49er defense off balance so much because of his athleticism and what he could do and the fear of what he would do if you missed him. Um that he was more he was more of an impact than them playing somebody that just was just doing a three or five sharp drop and they were letting those those great linemen from uh San Francisco come at him. So that's that's where I think people look at going into next year cuz Connor wouldn't I wouldn't say Connor was the best thrower we ever had but he just the combination of the two really caused Venables ben, a lot of headaches.
1: Certainly, certainly. I mean because Clemson would play that man coverage and Connor would just sit back in the pocket and wait for the Red Sea to open up or was it the Dead Sea, whichever sea it was that would open up and he would just take off right up the middle and and there'd be a gaping hole and wasn't just Clemson. That, that worked against, I remember, many. Heck, I remember, if I remember correctly, that game at Auburn that they lost where he came in to replace Garcia. I, I think some of his big plays, this was in his freshman year, I think some of his big plays came when he took off running the football. But he was recruited by G.A. Mangus because they felt he was a perfect fit for the type of offense that Mangus and Spurrier wanted to run, and that included having a mobile quarterback who could take off when, when things did open up. So Sellers gives them that kind of guy. But would you trade – think about what Spencer Rattler did with Xavier Leggett and with Juice Wells. Think about this. In, in back-to-back seasons, and it's a shame that Juice Wells got hurt. I mean, that is was an absolute crying shame that he got hurt this year because the pairing of Xavier Leggett and Juice Wells – because, you know, two years ago, Xavier Leggett was an afterthought. He wasn't all that. But you had Juice Wells, um, and Juice Wells was the star receiver. He was the go-to guy. Now, I wonder if you had had a healthy Juice Wells, does Xavier Leggett still emerge like he did this year into an All-American receiver? Because he became the necessary go-to guy because they didn't really have anybody else to step up, and he obviously did and he was just waiting to blossom, and he got his opportunity. But imagine a healthy Juice Wells and a healthy Xavier Leggett with Spencer Rattler in that offense. You know, it could have changed the whole season. Probably would have changed the whole season for the Gamecocks. The one drive, well, I guess he did play a little bit in those first couple of games. But in the Georgia game, you know, you saw what happened with the two of them in there, and they go right down the field, that opening drive and pushed it into the end zone. Unfortunately for the Gamecocks, Wells got hurt on the touchdown catch and was done for the season. Um, so the I, my, my point is, if you have a quarterback like Rattler and you've got good enough receivers, you know, you don't need a guy that can run around. Um, we don't know what kind of passer, what kind of pocket presence, what kind of poise – that sellers has in an SEC pocket yet, you know we haven't seen enough of him. Uh, does he have? He, you still have to have the ability, even if you're a tremendous running quarterback, you still have to have the ability to stay in the pocket and let the bl- let let the pressure come to you, but deliver the ball on time uh, and on point. You still have to be able to do that. You just can't, at the first sense of of heat, uh, tuck the ball and take off running eventually that's going to catch up with you. Maybe Sellers can do both. You know, Maybe in, in time with, with, uh, with, some, with some games under his belt, he's going to develop into that type of quarterback. Only time will tell. Will he be that two-prong, that two-threat quarterback, that double-threat quarterback that can do both and, and help you? And there's nothing wrong with having a quarterback who can do that, you know? escape the pocket, make big plays with his legs. I mean, Clemson is sort of the other way with Klubnik right now. They know he can run. They're trying to harness that run and make him into a pocket quarterback. And I think he's gotten better at staying in and not taking off at the first uh, feel of the pressure. He still has a ways to go in that category, I would say, of staying in the pocket and being a pocket quarterback. Yet you don't want to take away his legs because his legs – Indeed, are a threat. His league, his legs, give Clemson another weapon uh, in that offense. So I think in the college game, I mean, let's face it, um, Lamar Jackson in the NFL is is pretty much on an island by himself. There's no other quarterback. I mean, there was a Michael Vick era. Now there's a Lamar Jackson era. Um, Then there's been some others here and there, I guess. But you you don't have, you know, three or four NFL quarterbacks who are like that, who can not only take off and and run 50 yards before you can touch them, but also throw the ball 50 yards before you can get to them in the pocket. That's rare. And as Jackson has become uh, an improved passer, it just made him that much more of a dangerous quarterback. We saw that last night against San Francisco. All right, thank you, Hank. Appreciate the phone call. Let's go to Gary in Bowman next up with us on Sports Talk tonight. And Gary, welcome in. Hope you had a great holiday. Good to have you with us.
6: Had a wonderful holiday, and I hope you all did the same.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you. I got exactly I got what I wish for.
6: Mm-hmm. Well, I did, too. I got to see all my family, and everybody's happy. I spent a lot of money, and, you know, I ate a lot, and,
1: just typical holidays. But my question now I feel like a real I feel like a heel because all I thought about <laughs> was my Packers and my Celtics, but I did have the family the previous week and enjoyed them and got all that in. So I'm just talking about this weekend. But go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
6: Well, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, yeah. my question is about Juice Wells. Was he not cleared to play? And I could be hundred percent wrong on this. But was he not cleared to play? But he wouldn't play because of his red red shirt status.
1: Well, um, there are people who believe. From what I've read, uh, there are people who believe that he was cleared to play. Um, and let me think now. Let me get this right. There were there are people who have who have believed he was cleared to play from a health standpoint. Um, did not want to play um, because of NIL? No, no, no. I think he had a sweet NIL deal at South Carolina, as we've talked about. You bring up the redshirt status, and I guess he had played in three games. He could have played in a fourth and still been redshirted, um, or was it
2: I'm seeing here that he played in two games this year. He played uh, against Furman, and he played against Georgia. Those are the only games I'm seeing stats for him, at least, this year.
1: Well, I think he played in the opener, but didn't have any stats. Gotcha. Yeah, so I think he played in those in those two games, and he played in Georgia, I think. I can go back and look. Um, I think he was sitting on three, but I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I don't know that he was cleared. We never got an official word from South Carolina that he was cleared. I'm only – you know, kind of responding to you based on things that I've read. Yeah, I get it. Hearsay. Yeah. I don't know anything official about that. And if and if that's the case, that he was cleared and didn't want to play because, I mean, why? well, so he could retain his redshirt year so he could transfer somewhere else and cash in on another NIL deal. But then again, if you're going to do that, why not come back to South Carolina and just re-sign for the same NIL deal that you had there I mean you know our information was it was about 800,000 and that's um, got to be the quarterback yeah, right one,
2: Phil I mean you got to think he's going to Ole Miss to play against a projected top five pick in Jackson Dart whereas in Columbia there's a lot of question marks around who's going to be the quarterback in in 2024
1: that's a good point yeah that's a good point as well who's going to be throwing me the football yeah of course he he has seen Lenore well, I was, Sellers I was just curious. in camp you would think he'd be impressed with him go ahead Gary I'm sorry
6: no, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I mean, it's just, you know, I listen to a lot of sports shows and I, I hear a lot of different opinions and uh, I mean, you don't know cuz nothing's disclosed and you don't know what to believe, but it just it sounded to me like, you know, he he understood he could make more money somewhere else and y'all will say he's going to wear a Mississippi state. He's going with uh, Lane miss. Kiffin? Is that correct? Oh Ole miss. Oh Ole miss. Ole miss. Yeah.
1: Okay. I'm, Lane Kiffin. All right, yeah. my
6: bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. But anyway, I mean, if if somebody's offering them more money, then why would I play and get hurt and then turn down that money? And it's all it's all the conspiracy theory. But, you know, it's just it's just what I heard, you know, in one ear, out the other. So anyway, I was mm-hmm. just curious. I was just. Curious. Yeah, it's good. I mean, listen, that's part of the issue. Alone. No, go ahead. OK, I'm going to leave you all alone. I hope you have a wonderful, happy New Year. Thanks, Gary, and uh, y'all take care. I love your show. You get me through every day from six to eight. Y'all take care. Thank
7: you.
1: Have a great Thank night. you, and you're not bothering us. Don't feel like you got to leave us alone. Call back tomorrow, um, and that you know. I mean, it's part of the the deal that we're in now with college sports. There's no transparency. We don't know if players are being contacted. I mean, we know they're being contacted illegally, but we don't know it because nobody will admit it, you know, but we know it's happening. We don't know how much money is being promised. We don't know what kind of deals these guys are getting. And so is, there's no transparency. And when there's no transparency, what does that mean? There's no accountability, right? Um, there's no loyalty. Not that loyalty is important anymore. Apparently it's It's not. So this is what you have. Um, you've got how many, how many kids are now in the transfer portal, John? Probably topping well over 2,000 by now. And there's going to be another rush as these bowl games wind up. You're going to have another surge of names going into the transfer portal, John. I mean, just from today, uh, Braxton Myers, Purdue cornerback. Oh, Rico Powers. I see he's in there, the former Gamecock. He's going back in there, according to On3. He was at Jackson State. LSU safety, Michael Dougherty, Um, He's actually transferring to a junior college. Florida transfer, uh, defensive lineman Chris McClellan to Missouri. Uh, this is all today. Uh, Central Florida edge, Josh Seliskar is in the portal, John. East Carolina corner, Antoine Jackson. Michigan State linebacker Quavian Carter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, It's a never-ending list. Uh, I say that facetiously. Obviously, there is an end to the list, but it it seems like it's never-ending. And so there are going to be a lot more people in there than there are places to go. I can promise you that as more and more names populate the transfer portal, John. And, Phil, one quick
2: point about that before we move on, just just looking at the Mm -hmm. numbers here, And I don't think there's an exact science, but I'm looking at three different recruiting sites. On3 seems to do a really good job with the transfer portal tracker. And they they keep a, a running tally of how many players have officially entered the portal and then break it down by team, by conference, and so forth, by year, whatever. They show incoming players, outgoing players. Great resource. Well, with all that being said, there's actually considerably less people in the transfer portal this year than last year. Uh, This time last year, there were 2,729 players. As of right now, again, getting this number from three different sites, there are 1,749 in the portal as of right now. So you're looking at over 1,000 less players in the portal going into the new year right now than at this point last year. Just something worth Hmm, noting.
1: Good point. Good point. Yeah, I see the number. 1,749 of those, about a third have committed, 33%, 585. So keep in mind, we're in the we're gonna, about to hit the the heart of the bowl season, right? With a lot of games to be played, so you can expect that number to probably cross two thousand, but maybe not as much as last year, which means what? Um, the players that transferred last year they're happy where they are they're not moving on a lot of them i don't know it'd be interesting to see how many double transfers we've got going on who transferred last year who's transferring again this year
2: less players um, with that covid year too you got to think there's less there's less players in the pie um true. you got to think mm-hmm. there there were players that were here in 2020 who got that bonus year and so maybe took advantage of that and wanted to transfer uh, but to your point that really doesn't matter as much anymore now that you can transfer multiple times right
1: absolutely with no penalty okay we do have to run to the break and our phone number triple eight eight nine eight five two five that is the south carolina education lottery lucky number here on sports talk minnesota beat bowling green 30 to 24 texas state leads rice 21 7 coming up tonight you've got kansas at unlv and then tomorrow we're looking at four more games on the agenda, but
0: things really start to pick up tomorrow. We'll be back after the break. It's what's for dinner in South Carolina. Funded by the South Carolina Beef Council, part of the Beef Checkoff Program.
8: George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what
9: do you say? George, we all know you get more
1: done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today.
0: Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa.
8: Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, Now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit
10: LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you.
0: Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more. More on electricity. And members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through Co-op Connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives. And as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com.
1: We are back on Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, on this Tuesday night. Let's go to uh, Andy in Columbia, catch you up on some other news notes, and we'll hear from some folks in hour number two, and we can continue with your phone calls. And the phone number, 888-898-2525. Andy, good to have you with us. Welcome in. Hope you had a great weekend.
3: Oh, my weekend went well. I got to watch my Knicks kick the Bucks' rear end yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: So you got one of your presents
3: after we got spanked by them. But, you know, corn bragging about the Lakers, my Knicks can go into whatever they play in now, Staples Arena, Forum, whatever they call it, and whip them. It ain't much about mm. your Celtics to brag about, okay? The Lakers <laughs> right there are terrible. Did you now, see you what we Gary did on this road trip?
1: Think- did you see what the Celtics did on this road trip? Okay, we should have won all game, every game. We blew a 17-point fourth-quarter lead at Golden State because, you know, Steph Curry went on one of his crazy throw him in from every angle every part of the court runs. Uh, we blew that one in overtime, but then we demolished Sacramento. We murdered uh, the Clippers, and we uh, spanked the Lakers. So, I mean, that was a heck of a West Coast trip, three out of four. Should have been four for four, yeah. but who wants to be greedy? I don't want to be Curry greedy. Curry
3: didn't have a first half like yesterday, huh? Where only hit one
1: shot. Is that what it was yesterday? No, he had a – third and fourth quarter to just set the world on fire.
3: Now, do you think Gary might have been referring to Xavier McLeod, who refused to play because he didn't want to burn his red shirt this
1: year? Uh, You know what? That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Yeah. And that one we know was the case there, that he did not want to burn up the red shirt year. And that's an interesting situation. You know, you're Shane Beamer. You need players right away. Um, but you also lose a player for the future who might develop and become an excellent player. Who knows? But well, they'll um, find out at
3: Georgia, won't they?
1: They will, but I guess, you know, you're the head coach. You need somebody to go in and play right now. The last thing you want to hear is, I don't want to play right now. I want to save it for another year when you're already low on talent at that particular position. So, yeah, I, he was in kind of a – well, maybe in Beamer's mind it wasn't a difficult decision at all. When I say play now, I mean play now. I don't mean play next year. Um, not worried about next year. Coach has got to deal with the here and now. He's trying to win enough games to get to a bowl game this year and, and couldn't get it done. Not that McLeod would have made all that much of a difference as a freshman playing on the defensive line, but maybe that's, maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe he's got that confused.
3: Yeah, and, you know, the thing is with McLeod, just like you said, but, you know, do you want them back next year? Well, there's no guarantee anymore the kids are going to come back next year. So why, True. as a head coach, are you so worried about saving a kid's red shirt when you don't know if that red shirt's even going to be any use to you?
1: Here's the other thing about the transfer portal, John. You know, you think it's the teams that have a losing record that that guys are bailing on. The Gamecocks have had 19, but I read where Georges had 16. Go into the portal. Yeah, job?
3: They brought
1: in. Well, I'm just, how I'm mean, saying, but I mean, they lost 16, 16 guys leaving the the premier program in the country right now for for whatever reason. So winning doesn't, you know, winning doesn't solve everything in, in the minds of of some of these kids. I guess. Thank you, Andy. We got to hit the break here. We'll be back top of the hour.
0: Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network.
1: All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel. Pat's back in uh, Columbia at Sports Talk Control Central Studio 1A in the Cohen Metroplex Complex Cinoplex. I used to say that all the time about I was making fun of um, I think it was the Today Show when they would come back live on camera and they'd always say, welcome into to uh, the Today Show here from Studio 3B. At uh, NBC. So we have the Studio Metroplex Complex Cineplex and studio, whatever happened to be the studio that night that I made up a, a name for. So, anyway, that's where Pat is. You can see Pat on our stream if you're watching. Why don't you wave at the good people, Pat, so they know that uh, you're paying attention. There you go. Phone number, 888 898 South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here on Sports Talk. And shame on us. shame, shame. Shame, because we've been talking about things in the here and now, but hey, Coastal Carolina, Saturday night, went out and got it done against San Jose State, uh, 24-14 win in front of about 7,000 fans at the Clarence T.C. Ching Complex on the campus, the University of Hawaii. And how about the performance? Maybe they have their future quarterback – in Ethan Vasco, the MVP of the game, 20 of 33, 199 yards, three touchdowns. How about Greenwood Sam Pinckney? Is he going to be a good pro? What a show he put on. Eight catches, 123 yards, including an incredible one-handed touchdown catch that sealed the victory for the shots. So Coastal now with two bowl wins in their, what, 20, 21 years? of playing uh, football. Of course, not all that many years at the FBS level. Uh, you could go back and count their playoff appearances as quote-unquote bowl appearances if you want to. But what a great job by Tim Beck uh, and the um Kind of an up-and-down season, uh, slow start. Then they put together a winning streak, then uh, ended regular season with those losses to Army and James Madison. But then they turn around and – they uh, get a nice bowl win to finish the year at 8-5. and five. We'll hear the uh, comments of Tim Beck from the postgame of that uh, bowl win uh, in a little bit, as well as other items from here in the, uh, the Jacksonville area related to the, to the Gator Bowl between Clemson and Kentucky. But that was one heck of a ball game and a tremendous win there for Coastal Carolina. Uh triple eight eight nine eight two five two five South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number. We got some recruiting coming up for you as well. Uh let's go back to the phones and ladies and gentlemen we have found the Grinch who stole Christmas joining us here on Sports Talk. He goes by personally Triple T, but I call him ABM. ABM Grinch Who Stole Christmas? Welcome in. Good afternoon,
11: Phil. Uh, I hope you had a good Christmas uh, and everything. You know. Did. Uh, my Clemson fan ain't going to like what I got to say um, tonight, and, um, you Uh-oh. Know, Uh-oh. But, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, first of all, I want to say, you know, I'm always going to be a Clemson fan. I'm not a Dabo fan anymore. Um, Clemson fans, a lot of Clemson fans give Dabo a pass because he won two national championships. No, 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 I beg the difference. You know, we ran off our best coach, Danny Ford, I'm saying this. So getting rid of him won't be no different. Um, you know, I, I believe Terry Kennard, I mean, Terry uh, Kennard, what he said. I've been knowing Terry since high school, I'm saying this. He's been a great ambassador for Clemson on and off the field. He went to the pros and did a great career, won a Super Bowl with the Giants, I'm saying this. So Terry Kennard has no reason to lie. What what Dabo how Dabo treated his son. So I'm saying this. I'm glad he did it. Because he did the same thing to Kelly Bryan. A lot of folks don't understand were behind the scenes. Kelly didn't say nothing. I'm saying this. This gonna come back and haunt Dabo. Dabo has gotten too big for his britches. So I'm saying it. He's smelling himself, so I'm saying it. So because he won to national championship, he thinks he can treat them kids any way he wants to, say anything. And he had the nerve to say that maybe the kid, uh, I mean, the kid can play at this level. The only re- he had three sons. The only reason this son is playing was playing at Clemson because he was the coach. Those kid, his kids probably couldn't play at Presbyterian or Limestone. I'm saying this. So you know, you know, I'm sick and tired of folks. I'm saying he can come back to haunt him. I'm just, just remember the coach from Northwestern got fired for mistreating kids, players.
1: Oh, no, no. hang on a second. Hold on. Hold what? on. You first of all that's first hazing. Of all, yeah, but I mean, ha- hazing and all that. Yeah, what first of all, that that's still he did get fired. Uh he's got a major lawsuit pending against Northwestern. Yeah. That story is still to be told, but number besides all that, uh you can't put what happened here in the same in the same place as that, you yeah, that was alleged hazing and two.
2: sexual misconduct. I mean, that, oh, okay. that was well, some you, you, you right that some awful
1: stuff saying is, but and 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 on top of this, listen, listen, you you know Terry, you you say you know Terry Kennard long long yeah, time, yeah, and I've only known uh, Terry from a reporter standpoint, covering him at Clemson, and maybe seeing him at a at a banquet here or there. But I've talked to other people that know him well, and I mean, they say that there's no way Terry wrote that article on Facebook. That those that that is not something he would compose. Now maybe somebody uh, else composed it and put his name to it. All right, on his Facebook, but it's just not. It's just not the writing style, I guess you would say, uh, that. People would who know him would say that he would he would put a piece like that together. Now, uh, I I don't know. It's you're talking about. Why would why would Dabo Sweeney or any Clemson coach go over the top against uh, a group of walk-ons or any particular walk-on um, to I the hope point not. where I hope not. it would be? I hope not. Yeah. So listen, I think I'm not. Uh, I'm not taking sides here i'm I'm trying to kind of play it down the middle. I know coaches there there's been history of coaches all across the landscape of football at all levels where they lose it with players and and get a little too too rough and too tough on them. There's also been cases where family members, players themselves or family members overreact to what they perceived as something that was too much and uh, you know, if something happened here. Then I then I would think that uh, it's somewhere in the middle there because why why would you especially at a I mean did it happen during the bowl practice or something He was already going to be transferring anyway to Coastal Carolina. He'd I, already made his mind up to transfer I, to Coastal Carolina. I, and, and, I, I agree, with but don't you think? Ben. Let me let me say this too. I mean, don't you think maybe they, you know, D- Dabu Swinney took in. Um, Mr. Kennard's son, because of the connection to the Clemson family through Terry Kennard and his great history at Clemson, uh, and gave him a chance to be a preferred walk-on. Maybe he was going to work out to be a player for Clemson. Uh, Maybe he wasn't. Um, But you took him and you gave him a chance to come in and and prove himself when maybe no other – a high-level school like that, was willing to do it. My point is maybe there should be a little sense of gratitude there. Thank you for taking my son in and giving him a chance versus trashing him on Facebook like this. Yes, sir. Hey, Phil, first Mm -hmm. of all,
11: I want you all to stop saying preferred walk-on. Preferred walk-on on on scholarship. People don't realize that. My son was a preferred walk-on. His first year at Clemson. He was, Ture was on scholarship for five years at Clemson. I didn't pay a dime. For, yeah, but, they, but he didn't Ture Ture, go
1: there didn't, as a scholarship player. He didn't go, they had to he, wait for he, a he, spot he, to open up. No, no,
11: no, no. Hey, Phil, Phil, how about listen to what I'm saying to you. They told Ture they didn't want him to count against the numbers the first year. I'm saying, they didn't want him to count against the first, the first year. He mm, was on scholarship right. the, the first year. He was on academic scholarship the first year. They said they didn't want him to count okay. against numbers. So saying, that's, not a, that's
1: not a that's not an athletic scholarship, so it doesn't count against it, the numbers. It
11: doesn't matter. They said he would get one no.
1: in the next class. And, and come in after the spring
11: in, in the spring of 20, uh, 2020, he was on scholarship. I'm saying this. It mm-hmm. counted against that mm-hmm. class. So I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. So. The last thing I'm gonna say from Pop Warner through high school to college, i would never interfere with coaches coaching my son. The only thing I said to all of them, I said, you can coach my son hard, but if you mistreat my son, you got me, me and you have a problem. I'm saying this. So, and that's where I've always been. I'm saying this. So, you know, I'm different. I'm saying this because I know Torey could play. And if Torey do anything wrong, I said, let me know. And if any coaches, including Tommy Bowden, say anything to Torey, I'm saying that somebody tell me. One time, Bowden fussed uh, at Torey for being late for practice, and Torrey told me he had a lab, And, of course, Torrey called me up, and I drove straight to Clemson um, the next morning, and me and Bouton had a little talk, and I, you know, you know what I'm saying, man? and he said, well, I don't know Torrey's schedule. I said, you're the head coach. I said, Coach, let's not have this conversation almost." most, I'm saying, and when he comes. I said, Tore is you know, he on scholarship, and he's going to also get an education. He had to get an education. And we had no problem no more. Something is, you know, that's just me. I'm just different, and but everything. But yeah. like I said, well,
1: see, I see. Of course, you did, you you did that man to man. You did not play it out in the public. You took it right oh, to the no, coach, and no, you settled no, the I, issue. No, I didn't
11: play it out at all.
1: Maybe maybe this situation should have been would have been better off being handled man to man behind the scenes directly versus being pasted on post uh, pasted on oh, Facebook, yeah. which kind of goes against from what i understand from people who know him kind of goes against the 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 norm for terry Kennard to to post something on facebook like this that's why people were surprised yeah. that it had his name on it yeah and the last so, thing I
3: must, uh,
11: uh, uh, i'm going to say a lot of folks don't know what happened between the kelly Bryan situation and and kelly didn't say nothing and and that situation was, went overboard. They can say anything about Sunshine, this, Sunshine, that. Sunshine, Clemson only won national championship. They won when Sunshine was there, when Kelly Bryan was the starting quarterback. So you know I'm saying it. So they can say anything about Sunshine and this and everything. Sunshine did not win a national championship with Clemson. I'm going to give that to Kelly Bryan. Because if you don't go back in the game in the second half against Texas Am, A&M, we lose. Clemson loses, and they don't make the playoffs. So, that's my that's my take. But, you know, it's whatever it is. So I'm saying this. So I'm saying this. Mm. Hey, all I got well, to say, is my Tampa Bay Buccaneers spanked them, them um, Jaguars this past weekend. They did. <laughs> okay, man. Take <laughs> care. This Triple Thank T. You. I'm well, a the, Tiger me, fan. Always will
1: be. Okay. Mr. Grinch, ABM. I did see a big old parking spot for Trevor Lawrence right at the front door of Everbank Stadium today, didn't see one for uh, Kelly Bryant. Mm-hmm. If if Trevor Lawrence doesn't come in in the second quarter of that game at Georgia Tech and then stay in to play the entire second half, they don't beat Georgia Tech in Atlanta and win the national championship. But you're right, Kelly Bryant did come in and bail them out when Lawrence got hurt. That was against Syracuse, right? So that's called team was that right? Was it? Was it Syracuse? I think it was. Was that the game? Pat. Um, that's called team, though. That means you know, coming in and and playing your role when when it's called upon.
2: Syracuse was uh, when Chase Bryce came in, saved the day. When but Trevor what, Lawrence what game got did, hurt along the sideline. What
1: game did what game did Bryant come back in? That he's referring to. I oh, hopped, was that I'll the... have to go
2: back and look, but I don't recall that because Kelly Bryant, remember, transferred. He hopped in the portal midweek.
1: Yeah. Is he talking about uh, – he said they win the national championship. You're right. He was gone. Yeah, he left. After Lawrence took he the He left job. After,
2: after Lawrence got announced as the starter. Kelly Bryant did. the Was it maybe mid-week.
1: earlier in the season? Was it earlier in the season? He said Texas A&M, so it would have been one of the first games of the season that year. Go back and check that schedule and see. Let's see. Well, I'll do that. I'll tell you it what. It looks like we're he, doing played,
2: that. he played in four games, Kelly Bryant, that year for Clemson. He played mm-hmm. against Furman, Texas A&M, Georgia Southern, and Georgia Tech. That Texas A&M game, and that was an ugly game. It was a defensive struggle. Clemson won 28-26. A&M scored 13 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Looks like the box score here. Uh, Kelly Bryant was 12 of 17 for 205 yards and a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence was five of nine for 93 yards and a touchdown. If we go to the play-by-play and see kind of, kind of how that worked, looks like the first touchdown of the of the day was Kelly Bryant was in for that. And then in the second half, when Clemson scored, Kelly Bryant threw a touchdown. Pa- no, I'm sorry. That was, yeah, threw a touchdown pass to DeAndre Overton. To go up 21-6, and then if we fast-forward to later in the game, Kelly Bryant. Yeah, I'm not even sure where Trevor Lawrence played yeah, Bryant exactly. was we have in. Look through every drive. I'm looking at it
1: right now. Bryant was the quarterback uh, in all the fourth quarter, and the Tigers didn't score in the fourth quarter. I'm seeing here Spires punt, Spires punt, Spires punt. Um, yeah, Clemson in the fourth quarter of that game with Bryant at quarterback – had only 52 yards of offense, 47 rushing and and five passing. Uh, Must have been, let's go back here to the third quarter, and we see where Clemson had um, 127 yards passing and 18 rushing. And, no, Lawrence played. Seeing Lawrence here in the third quarter, feaster, 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 and a punt, and then the next series, Lawrence was at quarterback, and he threw, um, let's see, a pass to Renfro. This is showing here. Trevor Lawrence started the second
2: half. Yeah, Lawrence started the second half at quarterback but failed to move the ball effectively, and then Bryant took back over and led the Tigers on two touchdown drives in the last five minutes of the third quarter.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, looking at it right here. A pass to uh, ETN for five yards to the one that then ETN scored. And then he had a pass to um, Overton for eight yards for a touchdown. So he threw for a touchdown and led them to uh, another score. So maybe that's what he's talking about. They started – Lawrence came out in the third quarter of that game. Then they put Bryant back in, and Bryant uh, led him the rest of the way, and they got a, a big win at College Station that day in 2018 by a final score of 30. 30- but they had to hang on. They had a 28-13 lead, and as I mentioned, they did nothing in the fourth quarter, and A&M scored uh, a pair of touchdowns, Um, but their two-point conversion with 46 seconds to go, they tried a two-point conversion. It was intercepted, or they would have had an overtime situation. Okay, thank you for that, ABM. While we're talking Clemson, let's hear from their two coordinators. So, Clemson has not had open media availability uh, since they they got down here on Sunday. But Ross Taylor, their sports information director, has done interviews with the coordinators and with some players and provided that to the media. So, let's go to his interviews first with the offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley. And here they are chatting it up. This would have been from... um. Sunday, I believe. Yep, Sunday after the practice, Garrett Riley, Ross Taylor talking about preparing for the bowl game.
7: All right, Coach, two practices in here in Jacksonville, several back at Clemson. Kind of what's been your assessment of the offense in bowl prep so far? Uh, it's just fun to
12: get back out on the grass, man. That's the biggest thing. But, you know, we've had really, really good energy throughout all of bowl prep. Um, you know, and then two days in here at the bowl side, I've been very pleased with just all the distractions that come around with this. And. Travel and Christmas and all those things. I've been really pleased with our guys and their energy so far. and We've had good execution, So it's been a good start for us here in Jacksonville
7: Looking ahead to game day on Friday What are some of the unique challenges that Kentucky presents and what do you expect to see out of the Wildcats?
12: They're a physical group. I mean these guys uh, they play physical um, Really at, at all kind of levels of their defense defensive line is is, is certainly we feel like the strength of their defense um But listen, those guys at linebacker and secondary made a lot of plays throughout the year as well. So we're going to have our hands full. They presented a lot of uh, challenges for us up front, but then certainly in in some of their coverage scheme as well, they've done a good job and created some turnovers this year.
7: Didn't get a chance to connect with you on sign today. Obviously, the four offensive linemen coming in, but a a lot of playmakers at the skill positions as well. Kind of what was your takeaway from this class and what's your excitement level for these guys coming in?
12: can't wait you know i feel like we've hit a home run with a lot of these guys and and really address some needs that that we're going to need for this uh this upcoming season so big thing is a lot of these guys are coming in in january you know and and to really be able to hit the ground running and insert them into our team and kind of see what that's going to look like in spring football is going to be a huge addition for us
7: and obviously one of the big benefits of bowl practice being able to get a little bit of extra development time for younger guys guys that maybe haven't played as much what development have you seen from that group so far in bowl prep
12: well, you just kind of get this new energy, right? You go through the grind of a season where you may not get a ton of reps um, as a young player, and so now all of a sudden you're getting a lot of reps and just kind of this additional practices that were granted, you know, and that's that's how you should be rewarded getting to uh, getting to a bowl game. So, you know, we've gotten those guys a lot of work and uh, kind of this new energy with those guys kind of, like I said, throughout the grind of a season.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go, comments from Garrett Riley. On the offensive side for the Tigers, let's go to the defensive side. As Ross Taylor talked to Wes Goodwin, the Tigers' defensive coordinator, after one of the practices, I might have this reversed. It might have been Riley yesterday and Goodwin on Sunday. Whatever the case may be, it's all good. Here is Ross with Wes Goodwin.
7: All right, Coach, two practices in here in Jacksonville, had several back at Clemson. What's kind of been your assessment of the defense in bowl prep so far?
13: Yeah, each day it's been great energy, great attention to detail. Um, today we put the pads on for the first time down here, a lot of physicality, and just uh, trying to set the right mindset going forward.
7: Obviously facing a quarterback you know well from his time at NC State, what are kind of some of the unique challenges that Kentucky's going to present in this game?
13: Yeah, you know, you uh, they create a lot of issues pre-snap with bunches, stacks, uh, motion in and out of those things, make you communicate and adjust. So um, we got to be uh, on point with our adjustments, communication, make sure everyone's on the same page with what we're doing defensively.
7: Didn't get a chance to connect with you on signing day, but I know a lot of excitement on your side of the ball about the guys that are coming in, including several who are already here. What is kind of your takeaway from this incoming freshman class and what are you looking forward to seeing from them?
13: yeah i think it's another another great group um excited to get get the rest of them on campus here in the near future obviously we got a few that are doing bowl practice with us now but um a very business-like group you know um, a lot of them have competed for championships at the high school level um, come from great programs and uh, just great great character great kids uh, excited to get them going
7: and arguably one of your biggest recruits might have been getting fourth year out of Barrett Carter. What is it going to be like to have him back, and what does that mean to you to have a leader like that in your room specifically at linebacker?
13: Yeah, definitely. You know, um, it's uh, uh, you know with him coming back um, create creates a, a lot of depth. You know, um, at a at a position of need. You know, uh, he's the older veteran of the group now, and uh, but just him as a person, I mean, unbelievable leader. Uh, Shows up with the right mindset every day and just uh, extremely hard worker and uh, excited to have him back for one more year.
1: Okay, Wes, Goodwin-Clemson defensive coordinator. So we've heard from both of the coordinators for the Tigers. We'll hear from the offensive coordinator for Kentucky, Liam Cohen, coming up in a little bit. Uh, Was over there for the Kentucky practice this afternoon, and he was – One of the folks they brought over, they brought over a couple of players as well, but this is a guy, Cohen, who is uh, highly regarded, of course. He was at Kentucky. Uh, He goes to the NFL. He comes back to Kentucky. And, again, they're going to uh, line up and uh, with their their big offensive line that has had maybe not their best year as uh, an offensive line goes for them compared to uh, recent years, but they're going to line up and run. The football hasn't been a great year for them on the offense. They're 98th in the country at 334.6 yards per game. So not exactly what they're used to. They average over 28 points per game. But um, running the football, uh, still uh, 131 yards per game. Running the football for Kentucky, a little bit off their normal standards. I mean, that's only 94th in the country. They have been good against the run only allowing 114 rushing yards per game. So we'll see if they're able to contain Clemson's running game while also uh, trying to get their running game going. I mean, when you got a 1,000-yard rusher like Ray Davis, you're going to give him the football and see if uh, he can make things happen. Um, they are 93rd in the country throwing the football at 203. So not the greatest offensive year for them. But still, they can line up and run. That's what people say. And be physical. Be back in a moment. We are back with you. Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network on this Tuesday night. Great to have you with us, Phil Kornblut, Pat Daniel. Let's give you the recruiting report tonight, brought to you by Seawells. A reminder, Wells remains closed through the New Year holiday. All that's going to do, of course, is drive the desire to go to Seawell's to the very top. So when they open up the following days after the New Year's, the place should be just packed with people trying to get there for that daily luncheon buffet because they will have missed it for about a week and a half, maybe two weeks. So don't get over there until after New Year's, but then you want to hit it up regularly from 11 till 2. Best buffet in the business and the best catering in the catering business, that is Seawells as well. Their phone number is 803-771-7385 and online at com. So in recruiting, former Georgia State running back, great collegiate running back, Casey Adams tells us he's transferring to South Carolina State. Tremendous athlete. Boy, in high school he was something else with his speed. Didn't play much at Georgia State. In ten games with the Panthers, he rushed for 66 yards and had one pass reception. But maybe a chance to play in Orangeburg is exactly what he needs. Former Myrtle Beach quarterback Ryan Berger is transferring from Appalachian State. Former USC running back Rashad Amos is in the portal for a second time after a season at Miami of Ohio. He has reported an offer now from North Carolina. One-time Clemson target linebacker Bradley Shaw yesterday on Christmas put out a video with his commitment to Arkansas. Former Florida running back Trevor Etienne, brother of Travis, committed to Georgia according to On3 Sports. As we talked about earlier, Saturday night, USC linebacker Stone Blanton announced that he has entered the portal. John, native of Mississippi, he played in 24 of a possible 25 games at USC, starting all 12 games this season. He finished his USC career with 59 tackles, two and a half tackles for loss, and one sack. He also picked off a pass, returned at 88 yards for a touchdown. Against Jacksonville State, he becomes the 19th Gamecock to enter the portal since the end of the season. Five others have announced for the NFL draft. He's the first defensive starter to leave the program via the portal. A few other notes from over the weekend you may or may not have heard. Former USC defensive tackle Xavier McLeod of Camden announced a transfer commitment to Georgia. USC and Clemson are in the top Ten with offensive lineman Chancey Gooden of Nashville. The others on the list are Michigan, Oregon, Auburn, Colorado, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Missouri, and Georgia. Also on Friday night, we missed this on Friday night's show, but it became official from Jaden McGowan that he is going to Boston College. He put out a tweet to finalize his plans that we had reported was likely to happen, him going to Boston College. He made that official on Friday evening. USC offered running back Bo Jackson of Euclid, Ohio, first-team All-State. USC target offensive tackle Solomon Thomas of Jacksonville committed to Florida State. Offensive tackle Will Black, who had an offer from USC, committed to Notre Dame. Safety DJ Pickett of Tampa, who has offers from Clemson and USC, named a Final Five of Alabama, Miami, Georgia, Oregon, and Michigan. Michigan. Auburn transfer quarterback Robbie Ashford has had contact with USC. Sources had told us on Friday afternoon. And then Hale McGrenahan, the Big Spur, also reported Ashford might visit USC in early January. And let's see, what else did we have for you? USC offered running back Shaquay Mills Knight of Chattanooga. Linebacker Brett Clatterball, Culpepper, Virginia, has Clemson in his top five. With Penn State, Georgia, Notre Dame, and Virginia Tech. All right, there you go. Recruiting here on Sports Talk every night. Brought to you by SeaWells. Okay, uh, let's go back to the phones and back to the phones, back to the phones. We go to Fan, Fan, T H A N, Fan from Ohio. Welcome, fan. It's great to have you with us tonight. How are you, sir? hope you had great holidays.
8: Yeah, we had great holidays. Actually, down here in King Bay right now, uh, we have a place where we, uh, we're from Ohio, stay in Ohio uh, half the year. But he uh, had, a, had kind of a generic question about the, the transfer portal. At the end of the transfer period, and you're getting close to either spring or fall practice or late summer practice. And you're still in the portal, and no one has picked you up. What happens to that particular football player? Do they can they go back to their original team, or are they just out of sports?
1: Mm, they are, they are. Mm, I won't use that acronym. They're out of luck. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the roll of the dice. You put your name in the uh, transfer yeah. portal first of all there's absolutely no guarantee that your prior school will take you back because you leave, that opens up a scholarship, and you know they're looking at the 85 number, which is a hard cap. And so they go and recruit, and they give that scholarship to somebody else. So uh, you lose that opportunity uh, to go back. Unless there's room and that coach at the school you left behind is not mad at you and will take you back, You know, maybe you had some reasons for leaving. Maybe those reasons changed. You decided to go back. If they have room, they could take you back. You know, that's not off the table unless a coach says it's off the table. Some coaches have a hard and fast uh, rule. When you enter the transfer portal, you're gone. Don't even think about coming back. So, But if there's no place to go, there's no place to go.
8: Well, I'm curious on a data point then for now that we've, I don't know, have what, three years now we've been in the transport portal discussion. Uh, I wonder what the data point is on how many of those guys that made that decision uh, are were stuck or, and didn't, yeah. you know, they basically gave up football. I wonder how many every year that is because if you look at 2,000 people, I, I think you said 2,000 players are or, or mm-hmm. this year already. Um I wonder what that number is every year. Then I've got that for yeah, you right here. So actually,
2: I didn't mean to jump in on you, but wow. from twenty twenty three, so oh. we do not we do not yet have that data for this year. But going back a year, there were two thousand seven hundred twenty nine players who entered the portal. This is again. This is according to On 3com dot uh, One thousand six hundred ninety six committed out of those that entered the portal, which is roughly or not roughly that's sixty two percent of all entrants, and then fifty or one point eight three percent withdrew from the portal, which I guess, to your point, either went back to that school or had a change of heart, whatever. So let's add that 62% plus the 1.83. So just under 64% of all players who entered the portal did go somewhere else. Well, that means 36% did not. So you're looking at over a yep. third of all entrants into the transfer portal for the 2023 cycle ended up without anywhere to go. And I think Phil has uh-huh. mentioned on the on the program a number of times now some of those players have to go down a level and maybe go to, to Division Two or from FBS to FCS or they have to maybe go on as a walk on somewhere and hope to earn a scholarship, but that's quite a sizable amount of players.
8: It is, and so I and I don't know that we many of us understood the risk factor for those players that are saying, Well, you know, I didn't get to play as many games as I wanted to, so the heck with it. I'll just go join into the portal. They are potentially giving up their, their football years. I mean, they may not get back into college football at the level they think they should be. So, it is a risk. You're right.
1: Now, You're right, and you can't sit here and say with that number, 36%, that's a pretty – That's a pretty strong number. That's big. Over a third. When you put your name in there and you leave behind a sure thing and you realize a third of the people going into this thing are going to have nowhere to go, am I going to be in that third? Now, it depends on who you are. You know, if you're a starter at a major program and you've got – and, you know, some of these guys, I would say the majority, uh, probably already have their offers in place and kind of know where they can go. It's the ones who don't have the offers in advance, who haven't already been contacted by somebody, who are going in in the dark. They make up the population of those who don't get out of the transfer portal, John. So
2: and right there, for those Phil. Guys,
1: for those guys, it's more of a risk. Yeah.
2: Sorry, i mean to jump in there. But to, to that Sorry. point, under the rules, aren't they all supposed to be going in blind, essentially? Like, isn't any kind of time they're contacted and have offers before entering the
1: portal, isn't that technically... Against the rules, technically it is not technically, it's not technically sure, it, is it is against, against the, rules. the rules, yeah, Gosh. but you're not supposed to contact them until they their name is in the portal and the, and your name goes in through your compliance office. you go to your compliance office, you say, "I want my name in the portal." they put the thing in it's not you know it's not the kid who sits there and types his name into this thing called the portal. he has to go through his compliance office. And then they put it in, and that's how it becomes official.
2: So the new phrase should be, if you ain't tampering, you ain't trying, huh? That's the motto (laughs) of the transfer portal?
8: (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. I like that. Has Dabo kind of weighed – you know, that's part of his frustration with the portal. Has been The the rules are are there, but maybe not enforced at the level he feels they should be, particularly with cutting a deal ahead of time on going someplace.
1: Well, I think every, you know, every coach – feels that frustration feels like the people tampering with their players yet they may, you know, down the line, they may have people doing it on their behalf. Who knows Uh, if you're not tampering, you're not. Yeah. It's like, like Pat said, if you're not tampering, you're not trying. Um, You got to get a leg up. And so far there's been no penalties really involved with the transfer portal, John, or any kind of tampering. I don't think the NCAA hit anybody with that. They've threatened, but I don't think they have made anything stick to this point, so, um, but yeah, if you if you're there and you got no place to go, then then you're going to be stuck. That's that's the risk you run.
2: And then one more piece of data here, going back because I gave you 2023 was roughly 36 percent had not found homes of players who entered the portal. 2022, a little bit better. You had 67 percent finding homes, so 33 percent right out of third, still not a great number. Did not. And going back to 2021, the first year of the portal, or at least where we kept tracking it to this degree, looks like just over 66%. So, again, 33 34% then. So it seems like right now, with three years' worth of data, you're somewhere between 33 to 36% of all applicants do not end up finding a new home.
8: So, that, to me, that's a good risk factor that I hope all those uh, football players realize before they make the decision.
1: Well, they all think they're going to transfer and find happiness, both on the field and in their bank account, you know, until they find out that they don't. So, all right, buddy, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We, take care. Thank you, sir. Great phone call. We appreciate you. Good hearing from you. All right, is the number. Got to run to the break, and we'll take more calls, but also looks like we'll have to punt, something that uh, Liam Cohen doesn't like to do. We're going to have to punt on him because I do want to get in Tim Beck tonight before that that audio grows old and no longer useful to us. So we'll do that coming up, and we'll take more phone calls and drop in a few more notes before we sign off what has been a very fun and energetic edition of Sports Talk on this uh, night after Christmas, heading toward the New Year's, back after the break. The Lottery is not
8: about getting rich. It's about helping people, and it always has been. The Lottery is what helped raise the Great Wall of China, build the roads of Rome, and today in South Carolina, it's what generates millions of dollars each year for scholarships like the
3: SC Hope, Life, and Palmetto Fellows. The South Carolina Education Lottery is investing in you. Visit sceducationlottery.com
1: slash better you to learn more. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, it's hunting season in South Carolina this fall, and folks need to be prepared from a legal standpoint.
12: That's right, Phil. Everyone always needs to buy their hunting license or fishing license. Everyone always worries about losing their license. Well, now that's not a problem anymore because you can keep your license on your phone. That's right. Go Outdoors SC. It's an app. Look for it on your Apple or Android devices. You can buy your license. You can renew your boat registration, and it's all right there on your phone. Remember, Go Outdoors SC in your app store.
0: Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more. More on electricity. And members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through Co-op Connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives. And as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com.
10: Looking to turn your dream home into reality? Look no further than Founders Federal Credit Union for all your mortgage loan needs. Our mortgage loans are designed with you in mind. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or upgrading your space, we understand that where you live is more than just four walls. It's where life unfolds, where your story is written. It's a home. Let Founders help write that story with many loan options to fit your lifestyle and your budget, such as low fixed and adjustable rates and flexible terms. Plus Founders never charges private mortgage insurance, PMI, on any of our mortgage products. Our mortgage loan officers are here to answer any questions you might have and help you as you begin the home buying process. Stop by one of our 41 convenient office locations or visit foundersfcu.com to apply for a mortgage today. Relax, you're with Founders. Federally insured by NCUA membership qualification required, terms and conditions apply, equal housing lender.
1: I see. Where Pat's wearing his uh, Coastal Carolina teal tonight in honor of the Shanta uh, Clear. Is that teal that you're wearing? It looks kind of teal. Sure is. Yeah. Good eye. Yeah. Good eye. Yeah. In honor of the Shanta uh, Clears bowl win, San Jose State late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. Kicked off about 10:30 Saturday night here in the East. So obviously carried over into Sunday morning. Here's Coach Tim Beck as he talked after the game. You know what? I haven't listened to this, but. I don't know if this is his one-on-one with Chris Bergen or a general press conference, but here we go with some comments from the winning coach for the Clear Saturday night, Coach Tim Beck. Just so proud
9: of our team, the way they competed, um, withstand the, a great rally uh, by San Jose State, and uh, just proud of our guys where we finished the game at the end, and that feels great. <laughs>
13: First, first Sun Belt team to come out
0: here to Hawaii and to get a victory. Just your overall experience being in Hawaii. Now.
9: I think it was awesome. Uh, regardless, I, I think the committee did an outstanding job. The, the hosts, the hotel, um, everybody that that was involved with the bowl, the class act, class act. And hope you invite us back. Hope you enjoyed the Sun Belt Conference out here and bring us back out here because I'm sure all the teams would enjoy coming out if they get an opportunity to.
6: What does winning a, an event like this do for growing your program or just getting your name out there as a program?
9: I, I think a lot. You know, I mean, we had dropped two in a row there at the end, and we talked about finishing on a good note, heading into the off season, right? Winning is fun, you know, and you, you like to have fun when you play the game of football, but a lot of times you got to win. So we talked about being able to do that and carry this into the off season, and I think it will be a great uh, uh, catapult for us.
8: Maybe unfair to compare teams, but what was the difference in the way your defense played, especially first three quarters today, versus your last regular season game against JMU?
9: I don't know. You know, it's hard to te- it's hard to tell. I mean, JMU is a good football mm-hmm. team too. You know, what I mean, they 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 did well. I, I thought we had a great plan, Coach Niver and I were in the defensive staff put together. Our guys executed. Um, we tackled well. We we showed a lot of different things um, and played aggressively and and it paid off, and, uh, you know, we were able to hold on there on the end, and we weren't helping ourselves at all, but obviously at the end we held off. Have you seen a better catch than the one Sam made oh. to put the game away? Old man Sam, boy, we're going to miss him. <laughs> we're going to miss him, that's for sure. Great throw by Ethan, gave him a chance. That's all I ever talk to the quarterbacks about, throw paintball, let him go get it.
13: Coach, you have family uh, as a motto this year. Ohana on your shirt. Yeah, you have this one last week with the guys, and to show up with a full team effort, it seemed like. Yeah. What was this like?
9: Yeah, I mean exactly what it was. We talked about trying to play a complete game. We had great punting and kickoff coverage and kick returns, and just in every phase of the game, I thought we did good. Probably too many penalties. If there's a negative, but at the end of the day, we're able to hang on and get the win.
13: Coach, I was. Uh,
9: I think we were told that Jared Guest was available. Was he available? Yep. If you. Did, was your plan to play him at all, and did, or, or did you? Did, no, you know. I mean, I felt like Ethan, um, we, we were going with Ethan until he couldn't go, basically. So it wasn't necessarily how well he played. You, you were going to go with him as much as possible? Yeah, right? yeah, as much as we could. Um, you know, we felt like he, he kind of finished our season, and, and so he was a guy kind of rolling into the as, as Jared got healthy. Can you talk a little bit about next year and just – do
12: you do you feel like you've laid uh, the foundation that you wanted to in your first season
9: uh, getting there yeah I think it's a it's a brick- by brick deal right and, and eventually you build the wall and it gets we're getting there you know I just th- I think there's still things we got to work on still still some things I'll reflect I haven't had much chance to reflect I would take these five days or six days before I go back to the office and just kind of reflect a little bit and what we need to be and what. What's the next step? Well, knowing, knowing what's coming back player-wise, and then knowing what you have coming in, you know, we haven't been able to see, to see the transfers. You know, of um, do you feel comfortable with the personnel that you're going to go into next year with? Yeah, I mean, so far, I, I think you're never really teams now aren't going to know who their 85 are technically scholarship or your 120 players until summer, because there's another portal, there's another spring, there's going to be more guys transferring, um, good and bad right some leaving your program some coming so it's it's becoming that it's hard to say you look at some of the guys we brought in this summer Clayton Isbell and Juwan Powell and Courtney Eubanks and Keontae Lusk like Will Whitson those guys didn't get here till summer you know if you'd asked me this question in spring I'd have been like we don't have you know but so I just think at time
1: we're going to continue to keep recruiting and keep making our our team better. There you go. Tim Beck did a terrific job replacing Jamie Chadwell. All Jamie Chadwell did was go to Liberty and go undefeated going into a New Year's Day bowl game. Can Jamie Chadwell coach or what? You know, I mean, just put him in a, put him in a program and let him coach and he gets it done. And And Tim Beck looks like he's going to keep the winning going at, at Coastal. It's going to get tougher and tougher, of course, as um, they have to continue to uh, recruit the portal, John, um, get good quarterback play, maybe this quarterback that that played so well for them in the bowl game is going to be that guy moving forward uh, for them since we know Grayson McCall is now transferring to uh, North Carolina State for his final season of college ball. But I tell you, I was impressed with uh, Ethan Vasco. Uh, I thought he did a really good job. Uh, hanging in uh, hanging in in the uh, in the pocket and delivering the ball and he also ran for 50 yards um, he really uh, augmented their their running game uh, as well so maybe he's going to be a, a good answer for them at quarterback moving forward but time will tell who knows if he'll even be there he transferred from Kansas so he's a transfer himself so he's a coach is exactly right you're not going to know until uh, after spring exactly what your roster looks like. Okay, back to the phones. Ron in Greenville, we welcome you into Sports Talk. Hope you had a great holiday. It's good to have you with us. Oh, yeah, great holiday. And I Super. watched that
5: Coastal Carolina game the other night. Went off at mm-hmm. three minutes after two. <laughs> well, there yeah, you go. I can't believe I stayed up that late.
1: Yep, yep.
5: I, I just want to say this. A game caught Larry a while ago. Mm-hmm. He uh, he said that he uh, Vanderbilt would beat Clemson, mm-hmm. where South Carolina couldn't.
1: That's How true. About that Game Not, Cop- this Larry? Not this right. year. Not this year. Are you firing? Listen, a, you're firing a salvo at Gamecock, Larry. That's right,
5: and uh, <laughs> he's going to give you. know he's going to. He's
1: going. He's gonna fire one back at you tomorrow night, so be prepared.
5: Oh, I know he will. I know he will. You ain't caught that Name Ron from Greenville. Uh, and he knows all that it's just Just play, but uh, he yeah, offered you yeah. eight points, Clemson and eight. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and I'll jump all over that.
1: Yeah. Yep. Go ahead and take it, yep. and
5: uh, I'll take. I'll, I'll match the high for it.
1: You got it, Ron. Thank you, my man. Okay. Good hearing from you. I'm sure Thanks we'll on. hear from Talk you again. To you later. Okay. Thank you. Well, we appreciate everybody calling in tonight. A lot of fun. Great stuff. We'll do it again tomorrow night. We'll have more from here at the bowl site. So make sure you hang with us here on Sports Talk. Thank you, Pat. Have a great night, everybody.